0: The first rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The third rule of Fight Club Minute Someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the minute is over. Fourth rule, only one guess to a minute. Fifth rule, one minute at a time fellas. Sixth rule, no shirt, no shoes. Seventh rule, Minutes will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first time listening to Fight Club Minute, enjoy the show. I am Jack's 33rd minute. I begin with, can I stay at your place? And I end with, the movie keeps right on going and nobody in the audience has any idea. I'm your host, Bubba Wheat. My co-host is a night person with a part-time job as a projectionist, Lance Stanford. How are you doing?
1: doing good. Hopefully people notice that this is, podcast is still going. <laughs> yes, uh, you would think so.
0: And our guest is someone that we like to call cigarette burns. Travis Bowe, how are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Yeah, it's it's good to have you back. And, you know, on, on our Friday's episode, I, I like to, you know, get just a, a little bit more serious. And I, I know that if Fight Club has kind of become latched on to as this symbol of toxic man- masculinity. And so in, in order to counter that, I, I want to give you the opportunity to share an example of positive masculinity, either you know from a movie, a TV show, or, or even an example of real life. Hmm. To, you know, just uh, to bring some positivity to, to our audience.
2: Uh, something I, I watched, rewatched recently uh, was uh, Masters of the Universe. <laughs> um, I've I've watched the you know I've rewatched it several times over the last you know couple of years or whatever, but uh, um yeah, just watch that one again, and it's like it's good for kids. Obviously, it's it's made for kids, but uh, no, it's it's a you know Dolph Lundgren playing He Man, who is I think a positive example of masculinity. Mas- masculinity. <laughs> um, he's a big hero, and you know it's he's all about you know. Truth, justice, in the attorney in way. So,
0: yeah, I I would never call that a good movie, but I love that movie. Mm. It it's so fun, and and I I so much love that Franklin Jella has yeah. more than once uh, referred to that as his favorite role.
2: Ab- absolutely, he d- just
0: destroys that movie. So, mm. and uh, it, it's got an early uh, Courtney Cox in there as well, mm-hmm. and. So jumping into today's minutes this you know we get one of the big trailer lines the you know yeah. I want you to hit me as hard as you can it's, that's that's like the line that was in every single trailer for this movie even though the the marketing campaign was not not the best this yeah. this movie was very mismarketed as more of an action fighting movie than a uh, commercialism satire
1: <laughs> and then that was also on the uh when blu-ray was starting to get real big all the 20th century fox hey it's like a little montage yeah, of all yeah. their movies and that was in i mean going back to black and whites too but it always started with i want you to hit me as hard as you can and i always thought that was cool you know that's in the same realm as um I'm only thinking of Warner Brother classic films right now, like Singing in the Rain. That's Warner, uh, but mm. you know, like some of the older Fox things, and that yeah. like that. And I think that speaks to um, Fox knowing, like, this is very much a DVD. I still call them DVDs. I know they're 4K, but whatever. <laughs> um, at least I don't call them tapes. But you know, they <laughs> they they acknowledge that this movie is a DVD movie, you know, it didn't, Mm -hmm. like you said, it didn't do great in theaters, but it found its life on home video. And I I don't know, in in my mind, I think, I I would like to think that that's why they have it on there is because it's like, Hey, you found Fight Club on DVD. What else can you find?
0: Mm -hmm. And I, I do like this moment because it's, I think it's interesting because it's like he got Tyler as you know, as this character of chaos and as this character that's designed to change Jack's life, to, you know, to change Jack as a character, it's like he got, he took this early success, you know, he got Jack to ask to stay with him. And then he immediately dials it up to 11 with the, you know, I want you to hit me as hard as you can, just going straight into this this fight and that's that we're about to get to and it's it's like you know you you agreed to stay with me now i'm gonna see how far i can push you
1: (laughs) yeah well and i love the we we talked a little bit a little bit about it last time how he's just like yeah and walks away and jack kind of stands there for a second like, thanks (laughs) and but then there's this really cool camera move you know like they 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 pan out and then tyler walks close and as we see through most of the movie, he's leading Jack a little bit and then, you know, he stops and the way he kind of, like, circles around, you know, it's not... He doesn't make quite a direct walk back, like, he, he kind of circles back to him and he's like, have a favor, you know? And I think that is um, really laying the groundwork for, you know, we keep... This whole week we've talked about, like, Tyler, the illusion of control that he gives Jack and stuff, and I think this is where he starts to... I mean, as soon as he knows he has that control, he switches it and he's like, OK, now you're doing something for me. Now now it's the Tyler show. And um, I, yeah, I think this is kind of where that ball really start, starts rolling.
0: And that's and and that does it, that, you know, I I hadn't really thought about it in the context of this minute, but that does, you know, it still falls right in line with the, the whole pickup artist and you know tricks to make someone like you because that this actually goes all the way back to I believe it was something that Ben Franklin came up with. He says, you know, an, an easy way to get somebody to like you is to ask them for a favor. Mm. And, and that kind of builds this this level of trust. And and this is Tyler basically asking Jack for a favor you know, even though the favor is, can you hit me? Physical
2: <laughs> violence. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's still, you know, him asking for a favor in order to build this, this relationship between them and to, to build this, this level of trust. It, it's like, you know, once you've asked somebody to do something for them, it's easier to ask them to do something else for you.
2: It's I think interesting. This is Tyler, you know, <laughs> it, it, obviously this is one person but this is tyler seeing how far he can push jack to make physical contact with him i mean they may have touched each other before now but this is like but hitting someone is is so physical and visceral like he's ask he's trying to push jack to the point where he can have a physical altercation and trick him You know, how far can I push this guy, push myself to
0: fool myself into having a fight, you know? Um Yeah, that that actually, you know, that that was something that I was looking for because that that was another been another big thing that I found in the the like the pickup artist playbook, but it wasn't something that I saw because you know, in, in this whole uh conversation at the bar, I don't think that I didn't really see any physical contact between the two Mm -hmm. of them. They, they both kind of keep their distance, but that, that is um, another technique of pickup artist is the, you know, the the gradual escalation of physical touch. Like, you know, you start by touching someone's hand and then, you know, you kind of slowly increase the amount of physical touch in order. And like, is because if they're comfortable with, you know, slight touch, then they, it's easier to get them comfortable with, you yeah. know, a, a gradual increase of physical contact, and and that kind of grows affection. But surprisingly, that actually doesn't happen here until we get to, uh, really, the first physical contact uh, that we end up seeing is Jack punching uh, yeah. Tyler in the ear, which is <laughs> not, uh, not for another minute or two, I believe. I feel like like
2: leading up to this, they, you know. In, they've had indirect contact, like Tyler handed him a business card. And I think yesterday or the the previous minute, uh, when Jack thanked him for the beer, he kind of nudged him, I think, with the briefcase, like kind of mm. slapping him on the back and as a way of saying thanks for the beer. So, again, indirect contact. But, but well, yeah, everything you've
1: been, been saying, you know, as far as like getting people to like you, asking a favor artist stuff like that. Um Chuck, we call him Chuck around here because we're tight like that, but um wrote a book called Choke, which mm. they made into a film. Um Agent Colson actually directed it. Clark Gregg directed it. Yeah. I love it. It's you talk about a movie that was marketed maybe even worse in Fight Club. Like it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the the premise of that movie is there's a guy who pretends to choke or chokes and other people you know in restaurants saving him. And then they kind of adopt him, like not fall in love with him, but like they send him money and they do all this stuff. And that's like his his big con is
2: yeah
1: is making people like him uh, by saving him. And it's I don't know I I love the movie. Um, I love the, the book. The book is
2: really good too. I I really love that book. And then that's one that I read because you know a Fight Club. I read that book and followed along with the movie that they were be they were making, you know, kind of, I think chasing that fight club, you know, sort of uh, high again, but I I figured, well, this time I'm going to get in on the ground floor, you know, read the book first, wait for the movie to come out, watch the movie. And I was like, it's been so long since I've read or watched that movie. I feel like I liked the book better on that one, but uh, it's been a long time for either of
1: them. So. I mean, Angelica Houston is fabulous. I mean, she's yeah. fabulous everything, yeah. but yeah, it's you know, I think it's kind of one of those things where, as a writer, you know, Chuck may have kind of started working with stuff in Fight Club and then really expanded it out in there. But you know, in the in this scene, um you see a lot of you know, like like we said, all this stuff kind of come to fruit. So, without giving too much away. Um, when do y'all think Tyler has his moment of you know, that he feels like he's not completed his con, um, but like that he has Jack hooked. Do you think that's this moment here or when he actually punches him or when he asks him to stay yesterday or last minute? Like what, when do y'all think he ha- you know, he, he knows his con has worked. I definitely think it's this
2: week of minutes for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's whenever he, um gets him to ask him to stay or yeah because yeah. that that is really like the the first the first victory i guess for tyler and it's like okay i got this victory i've got him and yeah. you know i'm this is the i got that first victory so now i'm gonna see how far i can take it
2: a soft victory in the in the first minute may have been like getting jack to admit that man, it's just stuff you know so kind of loosening his grip on the materialistic side of himself that I think just the week prior, you know, he was talking about the our, it's future minutes. I'll say that condo was his life, but he's gone on before now, you know, a few times saying how complete he was with all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I think, the, I think the big one is forcing him to ask, uh, uh, put his desires out there. You know, I need a place to stay
0: yeah and then i think that also the film itself you know tyler is ramping up to 100 and then the film itself is ramping up to 100 for the audience because it <laughs> they I, I feel like the film feels like okay we we've had the audience hooked so now we're going to cut to a big old dick right <laughs> right center and frame and you know i if you make it through this, then we've got you the right the entire rest mm. of the movie.
2: <laughs> um, I was just curious, like leading up to this, because this is you know, this is where the movie, you know, this is like a, a big phase shift for the movie. Um, both in terms of like filmmaking style. I mean, now we're getting like uh fourth wall breaking and, and things like that. They're doing different things, but uh, leading up to this like do you guys talk about the book much or like the differences between the, the book and the movie
1: mm-hmm. yeah because uh, a little uh, bit yeah. met on the beach versus the yeah, yeah yeah
2: yeah mm-hmm. because the book is different from the movie um uh, but uh i think it's really interesting because I, I i've got the book and i i went to this sort of went to this section and it's like the it's kind of intercutting back and forth between him finding his, his apartment, his condo in shambles. And, um, so you kind of get the conversation about, you know, never be complete and that sort of stuff is all kind of, it's it's like Jack is telling himself all of that stuff. It's not really coming from Tyler. And then, like as he's stepping away from the the doorman, who's like, "Do you have any place to stay?" He's he's saying to himself, "You know, oh Tyler, please rescue me." And then he, more stuff with the uh, the doorman and everything, and and he's like, "Deliver me, Tyler, from being perfect and complete." And then it just says, "Tyler and I agreed to meet at the bar." Um, it cuts to Tyler and I. We met. We drank a lot of beer, and Tyler said, "Yes, I could I could move in with him." But I would have to do him a favor, and then it leads to Tyler. He asked Tyler what he wanted me to do. Tyler said, "I want you to hit me as hard as you can." And so, like that's it. That is this week's you know minutes wrapped up into like two pages worth of material. And I think the movie works so much
0: better. Yeah, in and this even aspect. like we didn't we didn't talk about it, but the 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 first minute of this week Monday's minutes. Was completely not even in the script. Like it, mm-hmm. the, the script starts with, uh, yes, uh, Wednesday's minute, uh, with the the talk of the uh, insurance and and making the list, but the the whole like Rogaine, Alestra, Martha Stewart, that was all you know. It either you know partially ad libbed or come up with on the day, or possibly in in like an earlier draft because I, I know in the in the commentary, uh, Edward Norton is like you know uh, any. If I could be in a movie where I get to say no! Martha Stewart, then I'm in.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, and, but yeah, this is like a big shift. And and the you know we start out with the, um, you know the the focus pull uh, to get that that big dick on the film frame into focus, and it's it's really like taking up the entire screen pretty much, and. <laughs> I also love how in the commentary that there's like a joke that uh, Edward Norton's like, yeah, David F. Fincher appears in all of his movies. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's like, and then Fincher's like, yeah, I, I don't tan except in very specific areas. <laughs> <laughs> and I also heard that, you know, they, this, I, I heard that they chose a model. I, I couldn't find any information on the actual dick model, but uh, I did. Read that the the theory is that they chose a model that had black, you know, a thick black hair to mm-hmm. make it um to make it more obvious that it wasn't actually Brad Pitt. Oh, the thing that, that it, it,
1: like the thought they have to put into certain things is yeah interesting.
2: I, when it uh, cuts to him trimming the the other frames or whatever, you, you see another strip of of or two strips of the of the film. And I almost wonder because you see a guy in one of the frames, like to me it reads as Jared Leto's Angel Face because <laughs> of that, that that shock of of blonde hair. Yeah. And I I wonder like I could see this production saying, you know, "Hey, do you want to appear in a couple of these frames?" I think Jared Leto would be up for it, <laughs> um, and I think it there's no reason to assume that angel face isn't a porn actor. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, I would believe that this is angel face in the, some of these frames. Yeah. I,
0: I had that exact note as well. And, but on, on top of that, I also thought it was interesting because, you know, we get the, this big Dick front and center, and then we have this quick shot of, uh, you know, two more film strips and both of the film strips have women focused on them, but mm-hmm. in both of them, The the nipples are covered like and on the the one that you get three frames and the woman is covering her breast with her hand. And then in the two frames, we have the the guy's head, which may or may not be Jared Leto. But uh, and I I definitely agree that there is, you know, I I would almost give it like a 50 50 possibility that that Mm -hmm. could be Jared Leto or it was supposed to be Angel Face because you just kind of see the the side of his his face and just that that same platinum blonde hair and you know he's covering the 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 woman's nipple with his mouth and i i that can't really be i don't feel like that that's like an issue with the ratings but i i just find that interesting that's you know the they show you the, the entirety of a penis but they avoid showing the nipple because yeah. that's that's like you know standards and practices
1: <laughs> Ooh, i think it's almost more like again for the shock uh because a lot of film has female nudity you know a lot of movies have, yeah. have nudity and not not near as many have male yeah. uh, mm-hmm. frontal nudity and you know to go on the recurring theme of you know what is a man well that that is <laughs> yeah uh you know and the to to really focus on the the masculine um of of the film of tyler and his things you know he may but when we i think it's next minute yeah when they're in the theater and you get the audible it's it's a woman mm. sound yeah um mm. So I, I I don't know um, I was going somewhere with that and I lost it but it's...
2: it makes me think that he used one of the other frames you know it, it's almost uh, contradicting itself because he's showing the the penis and then Brad Pitt even says you know a nice big cock you know but then yeah you do hear a woman moaning when they you see the flash of what the audience sees so yeah I don't know if if there's like uh you know continuity thing there where they just
0: i don't know yeah it's and i also you know i i listened to a little bit of the the commentary with uh chuck palanuck and uh jim Oles, and Chuck talks about how a lot of these stories, a lot of these Tyler stories are actually taken from friends that he knew mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. The, the projectionist story, even though Chuck himself and, and also David Fincher both worked as a projectionist uh, when they were in high school. Uh, but he pulled this story from one of his friends named Mike, who worked as a projectionist at the Jefferson adult theater. And he had this, uh, massive collection of these single frames of you know from adult films and he actually would splice them in to to mainstream movies and uh, <laughs> you know he theorized that you know some of these reels might still be out there sure. somewhere <laughs> that's, that's awesome. uh, that were adulterated by uh by his friend mike <laughs> and that's that's kind of fantastic uh, to, to think about and of course i i did have some in information like um uh, i don't suppose either of you ever worked in a movie theater i did.
1: Um, i as a bartender i did uh <laughs> well and as in a uh, at one of our theaters i was their event coordinator so i got to like go up and do all the uh and it was a place that shows classic films so not everything was digital um so we we actually got to use reels and stuff sometimes, and so that was that was really cool. Uh, was, but yeah, so I mean, kind kind of working as a theater. Not, mm-hmm. Never was a projectionist. Just
0: mm-hmm.
1: I worked with projectionists to do stuff though.
0: Yeah, but one thing that's fascinating is that you know the information that they describe, like how they describe these cigarette burns or um Q uh, marks, is the the technical term for them is actually you know very very close to being accurate i I think about the only main difference is the the timing because in uh, as shown in the movie there's a difference of about like five to six seconds between the two cue marks and in reality the the difference is typically about eight seconds uh between the the two Q marks and they're always done and they are uh, like it said in the movie that's that's basically the the cue that the end of the reel is coming up so the the projectionist would have to switch reels and the mm-hmm. the way it would that it's classically done is you would have two projectors side by side and so the first cue is the the cue to turn the the motor on for the uh for the second projector to to get the the film running to speed and you'll have like eight seconds of Blake film at the beginning. And then the second Mark Mm. is eight seconds later. And that's the cue for the, the changeover. So it's, it basically transitions from projector one to projector two or vice versa, depending on which way you're going. And there's even like a, in some places, there's like a bell whenever you have like, uh, you know, five, five minutes or, or like just a couple minutes before the end of the reel so that way the uh, the projectionist can you know get ready make sure that the the reel's ready and that the lights turned on on the second projector so it's warmed up and ready to go and of course you know nowadays especially nowadays with most movies being like just a digital file just coming in on a hard drive you don't have the the uh these cigarette burns and cue marks they're not needed and even like at this time in the the late 90s the majority of modern theaters would show instead of having them on you know each reel has about 10 to 20 minutes or like 15 to 20 minutes of film on each uh, reel but they would have them they've switched to a platter system uh for most modern theaters and they would have all the the reels kind of laid out horizontally and they would have them connected in such a way that it created basically an endless loop and so the the reels were constantly like feeding onto a different reel in the platter and mm. the, the end of one reel would you know switch onto the beginning of another one and so you wouldn't have to manually switch reels anymore but the they would still have these cue marks or the the cigarette burns because like for a couple of reasons and one was so that whenever uh, because they would still ship in the individual reels and the person would have to um construct the platter in in the theater and so that having the cue marks would help them to construct uh, to assemble the platter but also they you know that that was made because you would still have older theaters and like uh, for film festivals and such where you would occasionally have a theater that still used the two projector systems so they would have those for for that
1: situation
0: you know i'm the type of person that that found all this stuff you know fascinating
1: yeah, yeah. i remember noticing like i was aware of cigarette burns uh but you know after this movie you really noticed them but mm. you know that this- like I said 99 and it was shortly after this though that we did switch to digital. So, mm. you know, it, it is kind of, even like old films, they've remastered digitally. And so when they ship those out, you know, it's sometimes like you mentioned, it's on a hard drive. Other times it is just like a, a Dropbox link that Disney yeah. sends out and you go and click it and download it and it's there. Um, but I do, I do miss, there is something, cause I, I mean, we, we've we talked about it. Like I'm, I'm a big movie person, like classic films, especially, And I remember being in theaters and seeing the little boop, boop. And it just, it was part of the experience. You know, I know now it's all about having movies clean and polished and looking great and stuff, um, which I could soapbox about how that's wrong. But, uh, yeah, look at the remaster of Cinderella. Look at the remaster of Disney Cinderella. But, you know, it's, there's something about it. And I, you know, Tyler talks about it being a a job, but, so many filmmakers, like they had that job, you know. Mm-hmm. um You mentioned Fincher did, like, um, I mean, Tarantino worked in the video Tarantino, store, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you guys, I never thought. I always thought it would be a cool job to have. um And then yeah, when everything switched digital, I was like, well, you're just hitting play. Like it, it's the the art of projection, um which I think it's it, the fact that Tyler has this job. You know, I know he makes it his by splicing the frames in and stuff, but that this is actually, you know, a really important job and that uh, all the stuff that comes with it, you know, for it to be a job that Tyler had, I thought is not... not I mean, like I said, he makes it on brand, but in the, in the bigger picture, I feel like, you know, there's the waiter makes more sense uh, Yeah, for him than a projectionist. Mm.
0: And I, I also think that another big change in in the movie at this point because we we have had a lot of the the narration but i'm almost certain that this is the first time that edward norton actually does a full fourth wall break and oh yeah as a character looks directly and looks directly at camera and as a character is addressing the audience now that tyler has become The basically almost the new main character like Tyler has kind of taken over the movie at this point so much so that that Jack is no longer the main character and now he's kind of moved off to the side and and he's the narrator and he is the one, you know, speaking to to the audience. It's like he doesn't have to be on camera and uh, Tyler as a character, he's, you know, continuing to work. And Jack is on screen, but as a visual narrator narrator, and not just the audio narrator.
2: But it's also like like Tyler is part of this fourth wall break as well. Like he mm-hmm. even, you know, he's not uh, in some movies where you have a fourth wall breaking narrator. The rest of the characters are oblivious to that, you know, but here Tyler, this in, in this segment of this like pause in time of. Uh, Tyler is completely um, in on the fourth wall break. But yeah, like you said, he's he's continuing to do something, but he's telling us the audience that these are cigarette burns. And then I think I'm sure in your next set of minutes, he talks about you know what he does with the food and he says, oh, go ahead, tell him, you know. So he's yeah. it's this weird section of the movie that I don't think they do anything like this in the rest of the movie. Um, so it's kind of this little island that it's it's the perfect time to do it because we're or enter a new phase of the movie, and I don't know if he says it here in this minute or maybe if it's in the next minute, but um, something that the narrator, you know, that Jack says is about there's a changeover and the audience isn't aware of it, but uh, and that yeah, he does
0: he describes the changeover in, in this okay. Minute.
2: And that's that's so applicable for this movie because we're all we've all bought into Tyler Durden at this point, and but we don't we don't realize that it's it's still the same person, but like we're mm. we're starting to get sucked into this into Tyler, you know, and and it's a perfect analogy I think for this movie is, is to have this like projectionist sort of moment.
0: Yeah, and and the second time that he says that, it, you know, it's very obvious to the to the audience that what he's describing. But at this moment, this is like pr- practically a changeover mm-hmm. in, for the movie itself, and, and like he's saying it, but yeah. it kind of runs in. He's not drawing attention to it because he's talking about it in terms of Tyler's job as, as the projectionist, but it it also refers to it it also you know fits with the actual narrative structure of the movie as well
2: yeah
0: and and I do also you know um I I don't think we mentioned but yeah and in addition with that fourth wall break we do get the you know that we are watching this digitally and so we don't have the the cue marks throughout the movie but we do have the digitally added cue marks in this scene because and and on top of that it's like the Q mark wouldn't necessarily be in the middle of this scene because they do tend to um edit the the platters or, or edit the reels so that the changeovers will happen like at the end of a scene. So that way if there is any sort of issue with changing the reels, it's less noticeable if it's at the end of a scene, like if it there's you know a couple second delay or you miss a couple seconds. And that's why they try to avoid putting these changeovers in the middle of the scene. So it, it wouldn't be like in the middle of this scene like we see it here. So these are the digitally added ones, but we do have Tyler Durden like pointing on screen to the the digital
1: uh cigarette burn. I wish they left like left them in the whole film digitally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, just...
2: I kind of wish they'd appear in other places, especially in significant moments like when when jack finally realizes what is going on towards the end of the movie that would be a great spot for mm. the cigarette burn
0: mm. um and then you know that's that's really the the end of my notes i you know i love just the look of this projectionist uh office you know the mm-hmm. again it, it looks like messy and everything looks dirty and dingy it's yeah you know it, it looks like just the the backwater um you know, we just see, like, a, a couple, uh, like, it's lit just by a couple lamps and, you know, a couple little light bulbs. It's it's very dimly lit, even though uh, Jack himself is, you know, lit a lot better, you know, since he's the main focus on the screen. But the rest of the, the scene just has these, like, little pockets of light with a lot of shadow.
1: I say, yeah, well, because it's one of those scenes where Jack's definitely watching Tyler um yeah. Tyler's working so you know it would like when we watch it it's like oh well he's lit differently because he's the narrator and it's like no he's lit differently because he's not there like yeah. it's uh they can do how whatever lighting effects they want on him and stuff which so that again that's one of the fun little rewatch moments you know like you're like oh
0: no that's
1: that's why it's different
0: yeah and you know it, it is important like you know i kind of mentioned it but yeah i think it's worth directly saying that that the other reason why edward norton is able to step out of his role as the main character is because you know in this moment the the physical person is tyler and edward mm-hmm. norton is the imaginary character and so as the imaginary character the, the fictional character, he can step outside himself and speak to the audience while Tyler as the, you know, the, the physical, the, the one that's in control of the actual single body, he has to keep on working. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I, I like that aspect and I haven't yeah. really thought about it that way until just now. And then, but I, I love that, that aspect of what we see on screen. Uh, But that's, that does wrap up my notes. Do either of you have anything else you want to say about minute 33? No, I'm all noted out. All right. Well, again, thank you so much, Travis, for joining us this entire week. It's been a lot of fun. I've, you know, this is a great batch of minutes. All these, all these minutes are great, but this, this one, especially is, (laughs) I mean, this is our, our first giant dick in the middle of the the screen. (laughs) I just so I can't I,
2: get away from those those
0: things. I did Watchmen
2: <laughs> minute and uh, big dicks all over the place.
0: Yeah, I I just got um, I just recently started watching American Gods, and there's there's a lot of dicks in that show too. <laughs> uh, but you know, for one last time, why don't you go ahead and take a moment to let everybody else know about your work and where you can be found online?
2: Sure. Yeah. Uh, real comic heroes. Just search real comic heroes, and we talk about uh, comic book movies in release order and then i do i did Watchmen minute like i said and now i'm working on minute of thieves which is a movies by minutes treatment of robin hood prince of thieves so check all those things out you can find them on any of the social medias by either searching real comic heroes real with two e's or
0: minute of thieves everywhere so and we are Fight Club Minutes, and you can find us on all the available podcatchers. We are also a part of the Rabbit Hole Podcast Network. And you can find us and plenty of other fantastic podcasts out there about movies, TV shows, books, pop culture, and and even just, you know, whatever is out there. We're have a podcast for you and you can find that all at rabbit You can also uh, find links to an audible trial where you can get a free month of audible, uh, through our affiliate link. And that will also, you know, give us, give us a little, uh, support as well. And there's also uh, a Patreon. And if you join the rabbit hole Patreon, you get a lot of shows, uh, early, um, and uh, it's and that just starts at $3 a month. And for our show, you will get our episodes a week early and you will get them in a digest format. So all, all three weekly episodes will be joined together in a single episode along with the the full minute clips will, of the movie will also be in there for your listening pleasure. And we have been Fight Club Minute and this podcast is ending one minute at a time.
2: I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Let me tell you a little bit about Tyler Durden.
0: Hi, I'm Lisa Leahy, and I'm the host of Pictures and Conversations, a rabbit hole book club each month on the 20th, I'm joined by a group of fellow book lovers, and we discuss a book in our typically nerdy fashion.
2: As we continue to not talk about the book that we're not supposed to talk about. <laughs> anyway. I, admittedly too, I'm totally weird about the way I read things. Um, sometimes I just completely devour books, and and I'm usually reading three or four at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I just pick up whatever strikes my mood. I have something I read before I go to bed, and I, I read murder mysteries before bed.
0: Uh, but I, I liked it good enough. like. No, it doesn't go super deep into developing these characters. Definitely not. Is it Harry Potter for adults? Absolutely no, not. No. I- anyway, you can find Pictures and Conversations, a Rabbit Hole Book Club podcast, anywhere you get your
1: podcasts or on our home website, rabbitholepodcasts.com. <laughs>